Good morning. Alrighty then. Well, I'm super stoked to get to chat with you today. Um, I love, actually, I think... I think we're in, I love that what's happening on the, in the building, both on the outside and with the children's wing is so much transformation. And I feel like that's what's happening in our body right now. I feel like the Lord's bringing everything up a level. And so I'm, I'm super excited because it feels like, to me, it feels almost electric. Like there's, okay, God, what's going to happen today? What's going to happen? And I, I feel like uh, we're in a season where we're going to start to see the breakthroughs that we've been asking the Lord for which is really exciting. Um, This morning, we're going to chat a little bit about baptism. We're going to talk about it today. We're going to do it next week. So um, next week is Easter, right? Today is Palm Sunday, thus the palms. Um, So... We, we love doing baptisms on Easter Sunday. Hopefully, um, that explains itself. Um, but <laughs> we're going to actually teach on it today so that you guys can think about it, sit with it a little bit, and, uh, and then have a conversation with Holy Spirit if, if this is a time for you to get baptized. But um, a number of years ago, when I was still straight-up heathen, I was like a nine-year-old heathen, though. I wasn't really into that much stuff yet, but, you know. I had attitude. I know, I know. It's hard to believe. Um, I, we would go up to the cottage. We went up on all the, you know, weekends and stuff like that when we could. But in the summer, we would go up for a couple of weeks. And uh, there was my family that was there, the, the heathens. And then um, there was the Baptists, my cousins, there was a very clear difference between our groups. Um, and uh, my uncle and my aunt would have a devotional for their eight children uh, every morning when we were, you know, when we were at the cottage. And my uncle was a lawyer. He's just a tiny bit clever. And, you know, usually what would happen is they would start, and I would sort of lurk for like half a second, and then go, eh. And I'd go down in my room because I didn't understand why they were excited about God at all. And if, in, in point of fact, I, I thought it was crazy that they believed in a good and a kind God because of what my life looked like at home because it was just, it didn't seem to reflect that. Does that make sense? And so I would usually sort of lurk for a second and then I'd be like, you guys can do your thing and I'll come out later and... Um, Anyway, I, I was lurking this one time, and Uncle Paul started with, you know, guys, we're going to do something different today. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you a passage of scripture, and it's 10 verses. And the first person who memorizes this um, perfectly and comes back and says it to me, I'm going to give you two movie tickets. You, and you can pick one of your cousins or brothers and sisters, I'll drive you to the movies tonight. Now, guys... This is awesome news because the cottage, how do I explain it? It was wonderful, but like excitement was going outside and throwing rocks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like there was no other stuff to do around there and your kids. And once you've been there for a couple of weeks, you're sort of like, okay, let's do something fun. But we lived like from the nearest town, it was like a half an hour drive. So we couldn't get there on our bikes. You know what I mean? So 
it got my attention. I was like, movie tickets for memorizing stuff? Let's do this. And so I just sort of stopped and went, Uncle Paul, can anybody do this? Like, you know, can, can, can I be part of this? And he's like, yep. If you memorize it first, you can win the movie tickets and whatever. And I was like, awesome. So I sat down. And we were memorizing Romans 6, that sneaky man. Um, and so let me, let me just read it to you. Somebody asked me after first service, they were like, what I want to know is, did you win? I did. I did. I was the first to memorize it. I actually think my uncle knew. I was very, very good at memorizing things. I could look at stuff and remember it. And uh, I think he knew that. I think he was being sneaky and trying to get me to stop lurking and join the crew. Um, So Romans 6, this is in the NASB because, of course, Jesus preached from this version. (laughs) What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Seems like baptism might be important. It's just a thought. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now... If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God, in Christ Jesus. So there's no real gray area in those verses, right? It's pretty much straight up Jesus and that there's, there's a choice to be made. It's sin and death or life and Jesus. Ta-da! Right? So that sneaky Baptist, he knew what he was doing. And it's really funny because I didn't give my life to the Lord for probably another seven years. But For lack of a better word, those verses haunted me for seven years. They were now stuck inside of my head. I had memorized them. And they would like come up and I wouldn't know what to do with them or how to process them. And I'd shove them back down. And when I got saved, all of a sudden I was like, sneaky man. You know, I now know what you were doing. Baptism is super, super important. So I thought it might be fun to sort of look at it this way. I tend to be fairly left-brained. And so um, I thought we could look at the who, what's, why's, when's of baptism. Cool? All right. (laughs) Sorry. I thought I heard somebody go, okay. Um, So let's look at the who and the when. 
So who should get baptized? Everyone. You're like, is this a trick question? Um, everyone, if you're a believer in Christ, we need to get baptized. It's part of the deal, right? Um, in scripture, it's often the very next step after somebody gets saved. You see, they get saved and then baptized, saved and then baptized, saved and then baptized. Um, we know that we are saved from something, and we know that we need to be made clean from the things that we had before. That's why we get baptized, right? Um, in Acts 2, you guys remember Acts 2, that's like uh, the crazy chapter where the Holy Spirit falls and everybody starts speaking in tongues and then every three people are like, they're, they're drunk, no, it's only 9 a.m. And you know, remember that whole story, right? That's like the abbreviated version. And then 3,000 are added to their number, right? Well, Acts 2, verse 38, it says, this to the 3,000, Uh, Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Guys, last year we baptized 53 or 54 people, which was amazing. Can you imagine being in a baptismal service where they baptized 3,000 people, right? How many tanks did they have? Hopefully they had a big pool, river, lake, something big, lots of people baptizing. It would have taken a while. It would have been awesome. I love baptismal services. I typically cry through, through you know, I just bawl, like just like, this is so amazing, it's so great, because it is great. There's something really big happening when people get baptized. Um, let's skip down to... Acts 9, so where, where we're catching up with Saul, later named Paul, is he's had his encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he is now blind, right? And so in verse 17, it says, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. So Paul hadn't eaten in three days. He didn't even eat first. He got baptized first, and then he had food, right? After hearing about Jesus, after encountering Jesus, baptism was the first thing that had to happen, okay? In Acts 10, uh, 47 and 48, we're not going to read through all of these verses because it would take too long, Um, but Cornelius and those with him were commanded to be baptized, and they become the first non-Jewish converts into Christianity, right? Um, Acts 16, 13 through 15, Lydia and her household believed and were baptized, In Acts 16, which is, the story is 16 through 34, of the Philippian jailer who believed and his his household believed and they were baptized. All of them were baptized in the middle of the night. Like they didn't even wait till the next day. They were like, we're in. Let's do this thing. Right? Are you with me so far? Okay. 
So again, it's a response. It's in. It's our response to who Jesus is that we want to do this thing called baptism, right? Um, this is one of my uh, favorite baptism stories that I've found so far. Acts eight, verse twenty-six. Uh, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, "Get up and go south to the road that descends." From Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert road, okay? So this is like a full-on desert road. They're in the desert. Okay. (laughs) That becomes important later on. Uh, So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I love the way God orchestrates stuff. Like you can just see it kind of happening. Like, <laughs> but that's why I'm here. Um, now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who, he rela- um, who will relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth and the eunuch answered Philip and said please tell me of whom does the prophet say this of himself or of someone else then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scripture he preached Jesus to them sorry to him and as they went along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look Water, what prevents me from being baptized? Let's stop here for just a second. All it says is, from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And the eunuch's response was, hey, water. So part of what Philip must have preached to him in preaching Jesus was baptism. Right? Because he sees water and he wants to do this thing now. Right? So look, water, very exciting in a desert. What prevents me from being baptized? Um, And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. So I want you to think about this for just a second. Very likely that water belonged to somebody, right? Because they'll collect rainwater because they're in a desert, So they'll collect water because they need water. And now two hairy, dirty men climbed into the drinking water, right, to, to have a baptismal service spontaneously. They would have known what the water was for, probably, right? But baptism was actually more important. Think about that for a second, right? Wow, okay. This is, my, this is my favorite part. Then it says, 
When they come, came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> I'm like, what did Philip read to him <laughs> that he was like, oh, yeah, that happens too. Good. All right. Good to go. Sorry. <clears throat> he went on his way rejoicing. So good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Bible is really clear that baptism is important. That baptism is something that, it's, it's us giving our yes, right? Um, Alan and I have had the privilege of baptizing two of our kids. And, uh, of course, when you baptize your own kids, it's just maybe a little bit more emotional, perhaps. Although I, again, cry when I baptize most people. Um, but it's, it's, it is an amazing thing to see somebody give their yes in the form of baptism. I also think, just like practically, like we come to church and we want to like have nice hair and makeup, and then you like come up out of the water and we look kind of less fluffy, you know? But I mean, I, it's, it's like a, oh, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to be seen for who I am. But that's the best thing ever. Because it's actually an exchange that you're making. So let's look at the why. Why your first answer to why is just obedience. Right? Matthew 28 verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Baptism is a public declaration. It's like wearing the team jersey, right? So if you like show up to a Preds game or a Titans game or whatever, and you've got the jersey, you're like, I'm part of this. Yeah, I'm in. I'm part of it, Right? That's what I imagine you're saying, because otherwise, where would, why would you wear them? They're really not that attractive. Um, so you're kind of saying, I'm with them. I'm, I'm on the team. I'm with the team. I'm, yeah, right? No? Stop? <laughs> Alan's like, we got it. Um, I, had, I had said to first service, I was like, we should get like sports jerseys that say like Team Jesus. But anyway, so. I'm just, I'm just kidding. We're not going to have those ready for you next week, just so you know. Um, but it, it's, it's saying, I'm with him. I'm with him. I've been baptized twice. Uh, once I was baptized, uh, I may have been baptized as a baby. I don't remember. <laughs> but it was like a, one of those sprinkle things. So they, it's either a baptism or a christening or you know what I mean where they like get the baby wet and then hand the wet wet crying baby back to the parents it's glorious um so uh I'm pretty sure that happened but um I remember getting baptized when I was with YWAM and uh it was my first time witnessing a submersion submerge submersion Submersion, thank you. It's going to be fine. Uh, submersion baptism. I'd never seen one before. I was the first person to go, and, and nobody told me that you're supposed to plug your nose. 
there is nothing like ocean water up your nose to just really wake you up in the morning. I came up out of the water and they're like, ah, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> you know, it was great. Um, but it, it, it really was great. Like I, I remember walking out of the ocean and thinking, oh man, I feel different. Like, I just feel different. I don't even know how to put words, words to it, but I feel different. And I was, I was kind of messed up a little bit for a few days. Uh, and then a couple of years later when the revival had started in Toronto and I was in a different place with the Lord, I realized, you know, even when I was in YWAM, I was really fighting with him. I was fighting with him about everything. You know, just making sure he really knew what he wanted from me <laughs> and kind of trying to negotiate for something different, you know? <laughs> shocking right Uh, I'm sure none of you have ever done that Um, but I came to a place where I was like oh god like I actually I do I want to give you everything like I don't think I realized before now you really are as good as you say you are you really are as faithful as you say you are you really are my friend and really if you say go there I'm gonna go there I'm all in you know, and, and it was right when I was in that process that they said, we're going to have a baptismal service. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to solidify this with something, you know. Um, now, if, if any of you are concerned about having a second baptism, in Acts 19, Paul baptizes a group of men for a second time because the revelation of who God is has changed. And so they're rebaptized. It's scriptural. It's okay. You're okay. It's okay. Now, that doesn't mean every time you have a revelation you have to be rebaptized. Okay? Or we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? It'd be like every week we'd be like, oh, here we go again. Just start treating your home bathtub as like a all right, you know, here we go. Um so I'm I'm certainly not suggesting that, but I think that there is seasons where the Lord will say, Hey, do you want to do this again? Because actually a huge shift has happened. Let's mark that. Does that make sense? Um, I know people that have had gotten baptized after they got married just to like, hey, this, this shift has happened. I'm now going to solidify that thing. Does that make sense? So there's, there's a couple, you know, perhaps different reasons to get baptized with that kind of stuff. But um, I, think, I think it's cool that... Um, the Lord is so individual with us, you know, where he can actually just have a chat with us and go, hey, what about now, you know? And, and for other people, he might go, no, you're, you're good, right? And it's an individual thing because he's an individual God who knows every single thing about you, right? So I would say, how do you know if you want, if you haven't ever been baptized and you believe in Jesus, please get baptized. Super, 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 super important. Something amazing happens. There is a shift. It is a spiritual exchange. It's awesome. If you have already been baptized and you're like, how do I know? If your heart is racing, if you're like, oh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel kind of, you know, something going on. Well, then have a conversation with Holy Spirit and just be like, Lord, is there something that you want to do through this? You know, you may not even fully understand what he wants to do, but that shouldn't be a shock because I rarely understand what God's doing. I just go, okay. It's also a serious wardrobe upgrade to get baptized. 
So this is uh, Galatians 3, verse 27. It says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Right? I love it in the message. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life the fulfillment of God's original promise. Does it sound like there's something major going on? Because there is, right? So let's look at the what. What happens? Well, I've already referenced it a little bit. There's a huge spiritual transaction. Baptism is a powerful thing. I remember both times feeling different. But um, when I got baptized the second time, that was when I had made the shift from my life is my own to my life is God's. And I was, you know, I was getting prophetic words about going into ministry, but I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to be a lawyer. I, you know, had, but I'd made the shift into my life is yours, God. And so that was, for me, that was part of it was like, okay, I'm saying yes again, that this whole thing gets to be about you. Um, I've seen people get healed when they got baptized. Like, go down one way, come up, and whatever it is is gone. It's amazing, you know? We've heard testimonies of people, they don't even realize it's gone until later, and they're like, I don't know, I mean, I was okay. You know, I was not feeling well, I got baptized, now the pain is gone, or the whatever is gone, which is so cool, and so like God. Right? Because he takes your yes, you're like, okay, God, I'm going to say yes, even no matter what it looks like, right? I, here, let me qualify the no matter what it's looked like. I, I know sometimes that there's people that are like, I don't want to get baptized again because I don't want people to think it's the first time I got baptized. Can I just say, who cares? <laughs> like, seriously, who cares? This is between you and the Lord. And if there's something that needs to happen, you want to make the exchange, um, here's, I want to read to you the Romans 6 passage again in the message because I think it's amazing. But I want to just remind you of something because this whole passage is sort of coming against the whole thing of greasy grace, right? Like grace, you know, grace is there so that you can just, you know, do whatever you want and just keep on sinning. And Paul's like, oh, hang on a second. No, it isn't, right? Grace is actually there to propel us, it's not to permission us, right? So, Romans 6. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Great question. Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. 
Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we are going in our new grace-sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sin's every beck and call, what we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as an end. Never again will death have the last word. That's awesome. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That is what Jesus did. So baptism is a symbolic ritual. It is an acknowledgement, but it is a spiritual exchange. Something happens. It's a promise. Something changes in that moment. And I love that. And here's the thing. Next week, whether you are in the water or whether you're standing in the room, we are all participating in a baptism. Because we're either in the water experiencing it or we're standing here and we're partnering in faith witnessing something that is going to change that person's life forever. Right? So I, I wanna, I'll try and remember to tell you next week or remind you next week. But when you're standing here next week, when these people are going under the water, throw your faith in the water with them. For everything that they need for transformation to happen to begin in a moment. Right? Um, I remember in Toronto we baptized um, a couple of the youth. And a couple of these kids had been seriously addicted to drugs. Like, you know, and so they were having some real trouble and whatever. And two of the kids that we baptized out of the youth group went under the water, came back up, and never had a craving or anything ever again. I mean, it was amazing. We saw really, really cool stuff. And it wasn't like we were all praying about their addiction before they went under. We just said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God did everything else. Right? So it's super, super cool. Um, So we're expectant for stuff to happen next week. Um, I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of a first century process um, that they do with clothes. And I'm, so I'm going to read it to you so that I get all the words right. Um, so, if you realize that the, the word baptize is a transliteration of the original Greek word baptizo, in turn, baptizo comes from the root word bapto a term used in the first century for immersing a garment first into bleach and then into dye, both cleansing and changing the color of the cloth permanently. Now, they would have understood the term baptism, right? 
And so it's a cleaning, but it's also a, hey, you are never going to look the same. Isn't that cool? It's like, oh, everything has to change. It has to, right? This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with the childlike, what's next, Papa? Guys, there's something about embracing the fullness of everything that he has for us, right? So I want to encourage you, actually, maybe just take a minute right now and just close your eyes and have a chat. Have a chat with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Do you want me to get baptized? Jesus, I thank you that you came, that you died, that you rose from the dead, and that you made a way home for us to the Father. And Lord, we thank you for all that you have done to give us this amazing life. This morning, God, not even waiting till next week, we give you our yes again today. And Lord, I ask for every single one of us that our yes will get louder and louder and louder and louder. Lord, that we're not going to fade away as we get older, but we're just going to get more powerful and more in, in, in the boat. Yeah. Lord, I thank you what you are going to do next week through the waters of baptism. We thank you in advance for the transformation that we're going to see happen in people's lives. Wow. And Lord, if, if we're sitting in this room and we're supposed to be part of that group, Lord, I ask that you just speak really clearly as you are more than capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you are so good at exchange. That you love to take the things that are not life to us and hand us life. Yeah. Lord, even as we head towards Easter next week, God, I ask that this week would be a week marked by exchange. Then in our times of meeting with you, that even when we're driving the car and we're chatting with you, and that we would know that you are working in our lives to make us look more and more and more like Jesus. That you're removing the things that hold us back. And God, that we wouldn't tug of war with those things, but we'd let you have them. Why don't you just actually ask him about that for a second? Say, Father, is there, is there anything that you're actually asking me for this week that I could give you for Easter? It might be something that he asked you for before. And all you have to do is say, I'm giving it back. <laughs> get you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, you can have it all. It's all yours. I give you my heart, 
give you my life. I give you my destiny. And this morning, I choose to trust that you are as good as you say you are. Lord, this week, would you come and do a transformation in me? Wow. Amen. Yeah. Yay.